Welcome to Ink Pulp Audio 2015. As you, uh, if you've been listening, you know that the first episode of every year has been an Eric Kennedy episode, and this year will be no different. I've done it again. Eric's done it again. He was my first guest. He helped me launch this thing. He got behind it when I first started thinking about doing it, and he's a big reason it exists. So I always find it fitting to check in with Eric on on mic once a year and use that. Now, this one was recorded a long time ago, but I knew then, it, and Eric knew it would be the... The 2015. So, um, it's got me thinking. And this is something I've been thinking about a lot lately. Because I, I am so busy uh, with work and home and, and this podcast, I, I start thinking... You know, it was even Sean said it to me. And Sean's a big fan and a big supporter of this. And he had said to me, you know, I wouldn't blame you if you stopped doing it. And I, I really, I, I had, I have no intention of stopping, but I have asked myself, what, what am I doing? Why am I doing it? I know why I started it. I think it's easier for me to define what I don't want to do. Uh, I, I don't want to, I don't want this to be a hype machine for upcoming projects. It's not about that. I don't want it to... Uh, be a gossip column for industry shit. It's not that. I don't want it to be that. I don't want it to be a, a comic review thing. Although I, I do think it would be nice to have a better body of critical analysis of the works being done. There's some good ones, sure. I'm not saying there's none. But across the board, a higher quality level of criticism. And and that's got me thinking. As artists, can we speak openly and critically about works? I know I'm a very critical reader. And I recently read an issue of a book that everyone was really ecstatic about. And the artist is really critically acclaimed. And, and sure, the, the drawings are beautiful. But I read this issue, and it, it the storytelling had no flow, no movement, no rhythm. Everything was stiff and static. Even during the action scenes, everything was frozen. And even the way you read the book, it was clumsy storytelling. And it just seems like there's a lot... That, that's really what comics are. It's really about the look more than the read. And it just gets me thinking, like, what if I were to just really critically analyze a book how what would that be like what 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 would happen and 
if the artist was a friend of mine, how would how would that go? And then I got to look in the mirror and say, well, what if that was done to me? And it would be hard. It would be a hard thing to swallow, I think. And it, we, and it it comes down to. All I can talk about is myself. I, I put one hundred and ten percent of myself into what I do. So. I don't know. I don't. Maybe if someone, uh, I know where I've misstep, and and I can take. Maybe I can't. I don't know. It's just it, it's such a small industry. Maybe that's why a good critical body of work doesn't exist. Because I really think to know to really be a good critical writer or a good critical speaker, you have to have experience in the subject matter. I think I I, I believe that a hundred percent. I haven't really challenged my myself on on that belief, but I think so. I know I enjoy music, but can I really write a a good critical analysis of, of a song or an album? No, I don't have the language, I don't have the vernacular, I don't have the understanding to see deeper than... I just enjoy it. I just know that. Blah, blah, blah. I, I'm, that, that is a tangent. Wow. Where did I go? You know, I'm recording this intro along with the Sean Murphy and, and the the past uh, Mateus Glare, and I said I was tired, and I think I've I've reached the point of delirium. Um, I I don't know where I was going with that. I I do know I was defining what this isn't, and so far I can say I know this podcast isn't focused. That I know. This is not a focused podcast. This podcast is is not interesting. That's not, I don't want an interesting podcast. I don't want a focused podcast. Uh, no, I'm, I'm kidding. I do know I don't want a rehearsed podcast. I want a natural conversation. So why? what am I doing? Why am I doing this? I don't know. I felt the need to do this. I did it. It wasn't too hard to actually do. I luckily have Alan. Thank you, Alan, who puts it all together. And and I have a lot of people that enjoy it. Every convention I go to, I meet a bunch of people who really enjoy it. And a lot of my colleagues and friends really enjoy having this. And I, I do enjoy doing it. But getting back to what Sean said when he said he wouldn't blame me if I stopped, I was like, you know, I, I think when I think about this, because it does take time. And if I do look at my time, if I do look at at my creative output as a business, not limiting myself to drawing comics, not limiting myself to drawing alone, this is part of what I put out creatively. And this this doesn't make me money and I'm not saying it should I'm just looking from a business if it you know um but where the business mind would say if it's not making money cut it out but like I said before I answer to that little voice in me that tells me when something feels right to do it and this feels right but I do need to think about well what could this do for me sure it, Having it out there, having it out there can expose people to my work. I know that's happened, and so maybe it's helped me there. 
But beyond that, when Sean said that to me, I remember saying to him, I don't know where this is going to take me, but I have a feeling it could take me somewhere. I know podcasting is there is is a future in some way. This is this is DIY radio. This this is everything I enjoy about what radio can be. Not my, not, I don't want to say my podcast, but the podcasts I listen to. It's, it's the spirit of uh, uh, DIY. It's, it's punk rock. It's hip hop. It's, it's do it yourself. I also really enjoy, I don't have to answer anyone with this. Uh, this is mine. And no one can take that from me. And, if there is a way to turn this into something that can make money, if that means I have to start not saying things or not doing things, I'm not interested in that route. This exists. I'm more and more interested in life, in being who I am, saying what I feel, and not work. I, I just think this, this PC, HR world that we're living in is just toxic, poisonous. People aren't allowed to have their own views, their own opinions. People have become so intolerant of anything different uh, than, than the way they think, the way they feel, the, the beliefs they have, that I think we need to start saying things uh, or, or listening, More, not just saying, but listening. I mean, it's, people are accused of, of being racist or misogynist just for the silliest little statements that are presented out of context by a 24-7 media cycle. It's this beast that, that just can't be satiated. It's constantly needing food. Ah, another tangent. So I said to Sean, when he said to me, I wouldn't blame you. I said, I don't know where this is going to take me. I do know that the more I do this, I know from the jump, I was able to, or I was good at conversation. Like I said earlier, that's kind of why I started it. I know you get me one-on-one -on -one with someone I can connect with them. I enjoy connecting with them. And recording that and putting it out there was putting out something authentic and real. And that I liked. But with each episode I do, I'm, I, I am honing my, my craft of conversation. If we look at conversation as a medium, as an art form, which, which it is, and it's a dying one, I mean, honestly, if you look at things like Twitter and Instagram, there's snippets. There, there's there's no context. It, there's 140 characters. There's no room for nuance. There's no room for subtlety. So the art of conversation is something I do feel is being threatened to some extent. I mean, look at how many people just don't even want to talk on the phone. You talk on the phone? Why don't you just text? Ugh. Talking? 
So I, I know with, with each one I do, I'm becoming a better conversationalist. And I don't know where that could take me, but that could take me somewhere. And I'm interested. I'm just along for the ride on this. This, like I said, I, I'm not trying to control this like I did with, with art. I'm not trying to steer it. I'm just doing it. So just starting my third year here of Ink Pulp Audio, I just got thinking about these things. And uh, I, I just find that talking out loud and even recording it and having it to listen to, because I do record these intros and sometimes it can be a month or two months before I even hear the episode put together. And I, I forget what I was thinking. It just keeps me, keeps me thinking, keeps me moving. So I'm, I'm really excited. I'm starting a third year here. First year was successful. The second year I went to twice as many episodes Success continued to grow, and by success, I just mean people enjoyed it. The audience is growing. And uh, year three, I'm I'm hoping to continue to do more. Where my podcast started, I thought it would, you know, maybe raise awareness on my work. I'm hoping in 2013, my work raises awareness about this. It's a complimentary relationship. So, um, yeah, I don't, I'm just, thank you all for listening. I guess that's the whole point of all this. Thank you all for listening. Thank you all who have recorded with me. And just please keep doing so, and I'll keep doing so. So here's me and Eric for the third time. And with any luck, this will go on for many years, and every year we'll start right here, because I love circular storytelling. It's nice. You can build an artificial reality. That's my life now, friend. <laughs> Hipstamatic and cinematic. That's my life now. All right, we're recording. All right. All right, let me just check the levels here. What, am I leaning forward like this? No. Yeah, get get up on the mic. I'm up on the mic. Do you need to raise it, lower it? You good? I'm good. Oh, let me hold on one sec. Okay, man. So you put it out there that uh, we're about to do this. Yeah, I told nobody him. Nobody cares. Yeah, I told him like it's like an annual thing that you nobody nobody cares. Not because of your podcast, but because it's me. This no, it's, been, like, it's, it's my podcast. I'm doing this purely in vain. <laughs> I have like two listeners. <laughs> nobody cares. I don't know why. I think the sound's okay. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So no, no, nobody hit you with anything. No, we're we're left to our own devices on this one, then. All right. Um, let's talk about health. Yeah. All right. I, I let's talk I felt about like it. This was a good topic to hit you with. <laughs> yeah. Because you're like you're a fat ass, Eric. Let's no, talk about no, no. Because you're one of the few people that <laughs> understands. So good. That as we age, we hey, have chubby. to take care of ourselves. No, that's not what I'm saying. That's not what I'm saying. Oh, it's so good. Um, no, because I get made fun of a lot when I see my friends eating crap, and I'm like, what are you doing? Like, yeah. It's poison. Yeah. I'm the crazy one, but I'm going to be alive. <laughs> yeah, but you're going to be alone. <laughs> Everybody else died happy eating the shit that they ate. You'll be there. 
Uh, yeah, so I, I went to the doctor. Um, I guess it was about a year ago. Yeah. And uh, I have a real phobia of getting blood drawn. Do you really? Like, like a, a, a sincere phobia. Like, As pass got, out. Yeah. Like, shake and <laughs> quiver and fear. And I had never had my blood drawn since I was a in baby, your life. Since I was a little baby. You're, you're, you just celebrated your what birthday? Forty second. You just celebrated your forty second birthday. Right. And in, in the forty two years that you've been alive, you you've had your blood drawn twice. When I was a baby. Once you were once you when you were a baby, and once just recently at the doctor. Well, a couple times when I was a baby. Yeah, but you I can't remember that. No. Yeah, so this is the first time right. since those times when you're in, you're in your adult mind, you can remember a needle coming towards no, you. No, 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 I know for a fact. It's not about memory. I was not going near it. And it took <laughs> it took about five years of Steph saying, you need to do this yeah. for me to face it. I was terrified. Yeah. I went and saw a therapist. For the, for the needle? Yeah, it's not the needle. I, I don't like I got tattoos. They don't bother me. Yeah. I got acupuncture. It doesn't bother me. It's yeah. not the needle. It's the pulling of your life force <laughs> from your body that my right instincts on. were like, no, 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 no. That's meant to stay in me, <laughs> not to leave me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, so, yeah, I was terrified of it. OK. All right. So I did see a therapist. Uh, I, I, I realized the importance of it. Uh, maybe not to the extent of what the results showed me that I, uh, I'm glad I did it, but uh, I was able, I, I got a high dosage anti-anxiety medication. Before you went? Well, I got a prescription. Okay. And doctor's just like, just dose up on it. Because it wasn't about pain. Yeah. I wasn't looking for anything to yeah. to take the pain out of the equation. It was anxiety. It was, it was phobia and anxiety, complete anxiety. Okay. And I was just like, I, I just panicked. Like I could see myself passing out and throwing up and have, making a simple blood draw into a, <laughs> a, a life-changing moment. I'm sorry Is it for easy laugh. for you? No, no, laugh. I'm, I understand I'm la- it's I'm silly. laughing because I've just built the scene in my mind of all of the things that you said simultaneously. Yeah, that, that's what was going on in my mind. Do you have a problem with it? With what? People drawing blood? Yeah. No. Yeah, that's no. how most normal people are. Well, I would no, I wouldn't say normal. I just that's I, how most people are. I don't build the the three part act that is <laughs> <laughs> that is the movie of for somebody drawing blood out of me. All right. So I took enough Xanax <laughs> yeah. to 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 knock out an elephant. Right. Um but it, it was I it allowed me to do it. Yeah. And uh I did it, and I mean, Steph has a lot of funny stories of me. I don't remember it. Of it course, was so out of my You're mind. Doped up, but I, it was funny. Steph was laughing at me the whole time, but I was able to do it. And then the results came in, yeah. And I had really kind of scary high cholesterol for someone my age. Yeah. Now knowing that's genetically, uh, it, it, it's part of my genetic lineage. Yeah. I know my grandmother, my father, her. My father is very fit, healthy guy. Has yeah. high cholesterol. Yeah, and it, it wasn't a, a diet thing. So uh, I, I kind of wasn't surprised by it, but what surprised me was they wanted to put me on a medication immediately. Yeah, and that they were like, "This is too high for us to to risk." Because I said, "Well, can I try to lower it on my own?" Yeah, and they and they were like, "No, no, no, no. You need medicine now." Yeah, well, it's it's modern 
It's the modern medical field. They're sure, gonna, and I'm sure they made money off me <laughs> going on yeah, exactly. this ridiculously expensive medication. Yeah, yeah. But uh, what I did was I said, all right, I'm going to get on this medication, but I'm going to get myself off of it. Right on. So I went on it, and I was freaked out because when you read about statins, they just sound ugly. Yeah, yeah. Um, but they put me on Crestor, which is the cleanest of the statins. Well, for your, for your audience, explain what. Explain what statin is. Um, I, I'm not exactly. Uh, it's a it's a medication that that lowers the cholesterol that that prevents your body from producing cholesterol. Yeah. So that your bloodstream has less cholesterol in it. <laughs> Cookie. And all right, all right. I was listening to a podcast with a comedian who's very unhealthy. Yeah. He's on a statin, and. I was working this day, and he was explaining what he thought it did, and this made me very lightheaded. <laughs> he said, oh, I'm on a medication that basically scrapes my arteries free of cholesterol. <laughs> and I just pictured every time I was taking this pill, it was like steel wool going through my veins. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that freaked me out. But I decided I'm going to – I want to get off this, so yeah. let me see what I can do. Yeah. So I – I changed a lot. I, I, I never, I, like, I, you know I love steak. Yeah. That's no secret. But I never that's indulged. Not, that's not a colloquialism for anything. No. That's I'm, literally like cooked meats. Yes, yes. I, I'm a big fan. <laughs> um, but, uh, like, at a convention I indulged. But at home it was once a week. Yeah. Once a week? Yeah. Holy shit. All right. Um, so I cut that back to once every two weeks. Okay. I doubled my fish oil intake. Right. Two in the morning, two at night. I, for breakfast, started having a shake I make every morning. Okay. Which is, uh, for Steph and I, two cups of almond milk, unsweetened. Yeah. Two scoops of plain, non-fat Greek yogurt. Right. Frozen blueberries. Yeah. Frozen strawberries. Frozen pineapple. Yep. Um, turmeric, which is a, a spice, mm -hmm. but it's a natural anti-inflammatory. Uh, and cinnamon, which is another natural anti-inflammatory. Right. And two cups of spinach. Yeah. Blend that up. It's it tastes delicious. You don't know the spinach is in there. It tastes good. Yeah. So that's my breakfast. For lunch, most days of the week, on Sunday, I get a big piece of salmon, grill it up. Slice it up to lunch portions for the week. I have that for lunch maybe four days a week. Okay. And then for dinner, it's, you know, whatever I'm in the mood for with a healthy approach. So it's not steak. It's usually a nice vegetable, a protein, very rarely a starch. Yeah. And, and that's by choice, right? You're minimizing your starch intake. Sure, sure. Yeah. I'm just trying to be healthier. Yeah. Um. So, but I also, like, on a weekend, if we go out, I'll have bread. Yeah. You know, I just don't have that much during the week. But through that, I went back to the doctor for a second blood draw. Yeah. <laughs> Took yeah. a heavy dose of medication again. again. Sure, right. <laughs> Had it done. The thing is, when I, when I do this, my whole day is shot. <laughs> I have to take so much Xanax <laughs> that my appointments at 8 in the morning yeah. afterwards... Steph and I go out for breakfast, which I never remember, and then I just sleep for the entire day until the <laughs> night. It's just fucking incredible how you have to you have to find 
chemical yeah. level of courage <laughs> that'll allow you to get through somebody. So you're just calling me a big pussy. <laughs> That's fine. I own it. My mom says to me, I just hate to see that you have to do this in order to just get your blood drawn. Yeah. But I get my blood drawn, so what what do you care? (laughs) I mean, I'm doing what I have to do. This is how I can do it. I guess, yeah. But my therapist even said that even with the Xanax, the repetitive behavior will build up a courage, so I won't need it eventually. We got our fingers crossed that'll happen sooner. I'm not ready to take the plunge. (laughs) And I'm not going to say I don't enjoy the the, <laughs> the Xanax effect. Yeah, sure. I, I, I certainly do. Sure. Um, but I went back, had it done, got called back. Doctor was like, your levels are not only healthy, they're on almost the low end of health. How long did that take? Uh, six months. Okay, so six months. Like, okay, I said, all right, so the medicine's doing its job. She goes, no. Yeah. Um, something else is going on here because this medicine takes a lot longer to to achieve these numbers. So right. I told her all the changes I made. Right. She's like, that's all you got to do. Yeah. So when I go back in October, so I got a lower dosage of the medication. <laughs> I went from 20 milligrams. Yeah. This is such an old person podcast. <laughs> I went from 20 milligrams to 10 milligrams. Yeah. And, uh, and she said, when I go back, if it's staying where it was, we'll go to five. Yeah. And then 2.5 and then I'm off it. Yeah, I'm just wondering, like, at some point, like, there's no, at some point, you got to get off the medication, right? Right, well, that's my, I'm, I'm my goal. Surpri- I'm surprised that, the, you know, when you came in, or, you know, the second time that you went in, and she was like, oh, it's it's a freaking miracle. You're superhuman now. By the way, we're going to still keep you on this oh, expensive sure. well, fucking medication. She, you know, they got to keep the money coming in from the pharmaceutical <laughs> companies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I get it. You know, they want to slowly see... There, there's going to be a sweet spot where the diet is working and the medicine are working together... What are you talking about? The diet's working perfectly. The diet, the diet has brought you back down to the point where she was compelled to tell you the medicine. And this is not me fucking up your shit, right? This is no, me no, no, no. This I, is me literally. I want to like, get off it. I, yeah. I don't like being on it. I don't like being on medications. Period. Yeah. yeah. But um, yeah. So hopefully I'll get off of it. But I, what, the, the point in talking about this is, I just don't think people realize how. Taking control of a situation, you can change it. Like everything today in our culture is like, well, give me a pill, that'll fix that. Sure. And it's like, well, why don't you do a little work so you don't have to take the pill? Yeah. Because I'm sure in the long run, these statins are going to damage you in some way. And I'm probably going to have to go back on it later in life. Yeah. But if I can stay off it for a while, that's good. Yeah. Yeah. I hope it happens sooner rather than later. Well, I'm working towards. It. I think. I think. Okay. So, if you don't mind me saying, yeah, ah. there's a, there's there's a couple things that I see as a. Not just entertaining, but sort of indicative of you as a person. Okay. Right? Okay. <laughs> Go ahead. <laughs> Which is, you get yourself worked up over something. That's me. Yeah, you get yourself worked up over something, and then. And then you either find your way through it as you did with lowering the cholesterol by changing your diet mm-hmm. uh, because you refuse to have the, it's pretty fascinating what you, every the setup that you just went through right now because you're like okay I don't like this mm-hmm. what you know this being whatever situation that you're in and then the lady says well I'm going to prescribe medication right and you're like okay but I can do something else about that 
right? right? On top of the medication that you're already giving me. Sure. Right? But that's that's in regards to your cholesterol. Right. The other side of that is you're <laughs> like, I don't like blood being drawn out of me. And it's like, well, we can give you medication for that. <laughs> <laughs> and you're like, fuck yeah, pump me up with medication. But I'm not going to do anything about that bad boy. <laughs> you just keep putting that shit inside of me. So I yeah. <laughs> All right, but Xanax, that's a good point. Point taken. Fair enough. I want the drugs that make me feel good. That's it. I mean, I I take Cresto, I don't feel anything. (laughs) (laughs) No, but to your point, it's it's important. I don't know. But but I will say this. Um, You know, the the anti-anxieties did come into my life a few years ago when I was really having trouble with everything when I was teaching and drawing. Sure. And since I've left teaching, I really don't take them. Yeah. Yeah. So it's difficult for me. I mean, my relatability only goes as far as my wife, right? Because she's experiencing a lot of anxiety stuff right now. And I don't know what it is. Maybe it's a it's a matter of having gone through it before and therefore I have the perspective of being able to see it and say, like, yeah, that's, sure. not, that's not really all that. Or maybe I'm just naive and I don't give a shit. <laughs> but my wife has a tendency has tendencies like you where uh-huh. she'll get into her own head about it. Yeah, it's it's a and wiring. It, and it just bounces around and there's yeah. no talking her through it. It's no, when she was telling me earlier about the situation at work yeah. and how that happened on a Friday, yeah. I know what her weekend was because yeah, exactly. I've done that plenty no, of times. Exactly, exactly. And then for me, I, I think through it, you know, again, naively, quite possibly, but completely logically where I can't, hey, I can't, you know, there's, you tell me that, you know, in, so to give context, right? Somebody told my wife that she, her, you know, her drawings were weren't up to par, right? right? But they told us they were on a Friday, right? And yeah. so, and when she uh, asked, okay, how can hell. I? Okay, that's fine. I accept the fact that they might not be up to par. How can I in turn fix it? They're like, uh, we can't tell you right now. We'll tell you next week. And so she had all of like the, the extended yeah. holiday weekend to think about. So you had a real good weekend. Oh, I had an amazing <laughs> weekend to try to talk her off the fucking cliff. Well, uh, yes, that's a wiring issue. I think we're probably wired similarly. Yeah. And I, I under, as soon as she told me that story, I could play the horror in my head. Yeah. But you are also right in that experience helps. Yes. Like I just got an email this morning about my schedule on Batman. Mm-hmm. And it was just like, I, I can't do that. <laughs> like that. Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah. I mean, I don't want to rush this out. Sure. I, I want to do nice work. Sure. Now, my initial instinct was complete panic, <laughs> but I, I was able to turn that off within a minute. Which give me give me that in context. How different is that now than it would it would have been for you? Oh, I would have freaked out. Ago. I would uh, no five years ago. The email that I ended up sending yeah. would have been very different. Yeah, the email I ended up sending was just a measured, calm, like, "Hey, look, that's not going to work for me." Here's what will work for me. Yeah. And the thing was, in the e- also experience helps. I saw in the schedule the colorist deadlines. Yeah. Which were two weeks after my ink deadlines. Okay. Now, the way I work is every week I'm turning in finished inked pages. Yep. So the colorist, if they work on my schedule, doesn't need two weeks when I finish. They just need. One week because they've got five pages left. Okay. Okay. So I saw that. I was like, well, there's a buffer. Yeah. And that's experience. Like, also just working long enough, you're like, okay, that's the uh, that's the publisher's dream. Right. 
And right. the reality is, here's my dream, and the reality is somewhere in the middle. All right. Right. So I, I was able to just say, let's, here's what I would like. Yeah. Here's what works for me. Yeah. Can we do that? If not, let's figure it out. Whereas in the past, you'd have been like. I, I would have been like, this job is fucked. I'm done. My career's <laughs> over. Uh, I can't do this. Um, I'm sorry. This is impossible. Oh, that's um, good, man. Okay. All right. So I, I think it's a, it's a, yeah, it's a, it's a coupling of a few things. Um, but my wiring led me right to that immediately. Right. Ah! But see, also now, I mean, using what you just said, you, you've now pre-programmed to yourself to go like, and again, this is something I tell my wife all the time, right? The panic isn't the problem, right? Right. The it, panic, the panic is inherent. It's like somebody burning you with a match. You're going to jerk right, away from it. Right, but the minute that panic sets in, yeah. how do you, can, how it's, do you it's handle it? It's what you it? do with it, right? Right, It's, it's right. when you get, um, I remember... I remember my buddy's wife, and they had like a, a, a beautiful Doberman, uh-huh. and it was starting to assert its dominance in in the household, right? And so over him, uh, over over the family and their older oh, dog. Oh, he was trying to take Alpha. Yeah, yeah, in wow. a big bad way. Wow. So whereas they used to be able to just kind of pin him on his back and show dominance, he was starting to fight back, right? So this one time, he got into a fight with the older dog, with the older dog at the family, who had been there for a while, who had been the alpha, but now he's this, this young pup is starting to supersede him. And so my friend's wife grabs this young dog and she, and the dog nips her, like right at the... Right the Doberman the, or the other dog? The, the, the Doberman. Uh-huh. Nips her right at the, the fat part of her palm. Uh-huh. Right? And, and opens her up, like that scene from Star Wars <laughs> where right, Han right. just like cuts through the tauntaun and you just like opens her up. And when I saw it, the, the level of blood that was gushing out of her, right, was like, oh, oh, I'm sick. And you can start smelling the iron. You know oh, what I mean? That's, that's me. My sense of smell right. is, like, super high. And I could hear, I could smell it. Uh-huh. And I could hear, like, my buddy going nuts on the dog. But my buddy's wife just went directly to saw it, slammed the dog on the ground, pinned it, which was she had originally, her intent. Right. Then calmly walked over to the thing to the, to the sink ran water on it and made a few calls for her to go into the er and uh-huh. had that sucker stitched out now if i know better it, I, to see to watch her operate like that it's it's as if she turned herself off now right. i talked to her about it later right and i said jesus christ didn't you freak out you had blood all over your, yeah and so yeah. she had this thing where she's like i knew it hurt obviously so I took my aggression out on the dog by slamming it onto the ground, doing my initial thing where I'm, I'm pinning it to show that it's no, you're not dominant in this household. And then my brain went into, now how do I fix it? Right. Right? Which is sometimes my wife is just incapable of doing. She stays in the, in the, in panic, the panic mode. See, in real danger situations, that's me. Yeah. I can, surv- I can click into survival mode. Yeah. It's the shit that's not really threatening that i freak out about yeah which, which is which, which is, is probably even worse yeah it's retarded <laughs> um so i was gonna say you were saying she was all right so she she has that wiring yes that that go to panic all right so that was me. So when, when I get the initial email, that's my initial response. Yeah. Now, why can I two seconds later be like, hold on, think this through, mm-hmm. calm the fuck down? Because I would have been on the phone. When I got the initial email, 
I was out to dinner with Steph and Zoe. Yeah. And my brain just nothing, the whole world around me disappeared. And it was that. Yep. And it was like, I need to get on the phone right now. I'm about to lose it. Like it was crazy thinking, irrational thinking. Yeah. But I was able to turn it off and be like, you know what? Put this aside. Enjoy this dinner. Yeah. They're going to drop Zoe's friend off. And then you're going to figure it out. Right. So I was able to do that. Yep. And then I was able to, in fact, I didn't do anything. Once I was able to dress it, I was like, just sit on it tonight. Yeah. There's no reason to rush this. Just sit on it. Yeah. And it was the next morning I sent an email that was just like, we'll figure this out. Here's yeah. what I would like. Yeah. So let's let's figure it out. Yeah. Now, why am I able to do that? Yeah. Let's talk about that. Yoga. I told you this earlier. <laughs> yeah. I, and I believe this firmly. I mean, experience helps. Yes. But like I said to you earlier, what yoga is doing for me and the way I view yoga is it's a practice of putting yourself in the most physically stressful position you can mm -hmm. and through breathing, finding calm. Sure. And that I can directly apply to any other situation. So you found yourself a nice manual. Right. It's, it's a practice. Yeah. I mean, it's absolutely a practice. I go three times a week and I practice the ability to do that. Yeah. And I get better at it. And I'm not perfect. I have my moments, but I'm able to, to, to handle stuff better. Dude, congratulations on the yoga. Thank you. I'm, I'm never going to be able to do yoga. It's not for everyone. Yeah. I understand. I mean, like, I, of course, the way I look at it, it's the best thing ever. Of course. But it's also hot yoga. Oh, yeah. Is it, what is it called? Bikram. No. Uh, Bikram is, is a very um, strict set of positions in a routine in a hot environment. Right. All hot yoga is not Bikram. Ah, okay. Bikram is you do this move, this move, then this move, then this move, then, and so on until it's done. Yes. That's Bikram. Yeah. Hot yoga is just yoga practice in a 95-degree room. Oh. That's the idea. Of Everyone that. I talk to says that's a horror story. Oh, Jesus. I love this. it. The whole class, when I walk in, everyone's like, do you have to make it as hot tonight? Yeah. I'm just looking around like, yes. Yeah. Yes, we need it this hot. It's yeah. awesome this hot. Yeah. You get, you're more flexible. You sweat gallons. You purify your that's whole not a, system. That's, that's, not a selling, that's not a selling point. That's not well, a for me it that is. can't be on TV and be like, guess what, ladies <laughs> and gentlemen? <laughs> you sweat gallons. Welcome to hot yoga. See, but no, I feel like everyone should be active. Yes. You just have to find what is a good activity for you. Like weightlifting is not for everyone. Mm -hmm. Weightlifting is for Dan Pernosia. Yes, I would say so. And yoga is not for everyone. <laughs> the fact that you found a way to segue Dan Panosian into the conversation. <laughs> God damn that guy. And by the way, Dan, if you're listening to this, we love you. Dan doesn't listen to this. No, Dan doesn't. Although, you know, he'll listen to one I do with him. Of course he will. Of course he will. Of course he will. Because it involves him. So I feel like you found running. Yeah. And that, like running, I, I'm not, I, it's not for me. Yeah. Like, I can't imagine running long. My, my legs can't handle. It's this, I, I would have to, I don't know. For, like I said, I don't, I don't do yoga, but I would hazard to guess that it's, same, it's the same sort of, 
you have to get into a mental state. Right? Sure. Um, I once saw a documentary about um, high-end professional athletes, and they were trying to explain what the zone is, what the zone entails, right? Um, and I, I remember this one segment in specific where there's an archer, and they were timing her brain patterns and her heart patterns and her and her sweat patterns on her on her palms. And they were saying how in the moment before she or in the moment when she's raising the bow and taking aim, all that brain activity it's just going bananas. It's just jumping and going crazy because they are guessing based on the interviews that they get they they took after the event. They were asking her, "What were you doing at that point?" She's like, "Well, I was compensating for distance and air, and you know, you know, uh-huh. everything that goes into making that shot count. That that sure. that bow." I mean, the arrow fly through the air and hit the bullseye. But then what was wonderful is that right before release, and this was maybe three seconds before release, and it maintains that three seconds before she lets the arrow go, all the levels flatline. Awesome. Right? Because she's not thinking anymore. She's done all the calculations in her head. She's done as best as she possibly can. And then she just lets go, right? And... I equate that to running, right? Because the first couple of miles that I'm running, it's fucking hell, right? I feel everything. If there's a pebble on the road, I curse that pebble. If there's like a, if there's like, I, I remember I was laughing my ass off at, at the idea of this, but there was like a hill or something. And I, I was just cursing the shit out of that hill because I'm like, we can go to the fucking moon. We can't flatten this hill out so I can have a, a nice run, you know, a nice impactless run. But there's some magical, and they, they call it the runner's high, and I've read a ton of yeah, stuff. Yeah, yeah. But there's that. a point where you just not care anymore because your body is, you, you know, you're, the initial instinct, every, every fiber in your body when, you're, when you first start running, and I'm, I'm going to just speak for me, right? Okay. When I first start running is don't do this. This is stupid, <laughs> right? Everything hurts, right? You're not built for this. You know, um, right. concrete is hard. Your, your feet are flat or whatever. Just every everything, every nerve ending is awake saying, don't go, just go sit down, right? And then at some point, your body just goes and accepts it. Like, we're this idiot's not going to listen to us, so we're going to make every effort to help this whole process along. Is The, the problem I have with running is when, when you have that, that pain before the high kicks in, yeah. does it feel like what happens with me is it's, it's my soleus muscle along my... my my tibia mm-hmm. that feels like it's so swole with blood mm-hmm. that it can't take anymore and it's about to explode and I lose control of my feet. <laughs> I don't know if it's... I have nightmares like that. I mean, do you feel that? No, not hardly ever. I, I just think it's the way I, I'm, my, I'm built. Yes. I, I feel like I'm almost missing a muscle in my leg. Well, I think on that front I can relate, not because I'm missing a muscle in the leg, but because one of my legs is higher or shorter than another, but just by a small fraction of a yeah. degree. And that throws off your biomechanics like you wouldn't believe, right? Like the perfect runner hits the ground with the same sort of length, sure. one leg to the other. But when one leg is just a tiny bit smaller, your body has to... And you know there's like when your leg gets hurt, the rest of your body overcompen- sure. or compensates right. or overcompensates for it. And in running, especially when you go six or seven miles, right, your body's overcompensating for a very, very long time, right? Sure. But it, I can feel it. I know what it is. And then, like I said, there's a point when it's just like, this is just what... I mean, my brain, somewhere in the recesses of it, is like, this is what we're doing for the next X amount of minutes. We are um, now going to just shut everything off. I've never been able to get there. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. Now, 
what you were with the archer yeah that got me thinking i feel like if someone were to wire us up when we're thumbnailing yeah it's going to be all that calculation shit i would think like, so the world has to leave the fuck oh, just leave me alone yeah. i'm thumbnailing <laughs> i feel like in goodwill hunting it's that math equation yeah but after that what I've discovered recently is that calm period, that's what the drawing should be. Huh. That's interesting. I guess that's a fair analog. And if, like, my problem before was, and we talked about this on the last podcast, was I, I was always in that brain crazy mode. Throughout, throughout the entire process. Right. Huh. And it just, but I think you have to go through that. That's where you learn. Yeah. But recently I've been able to be like, once the thumbnails are done, it's just play. Yeah, I've heard that a couple times when people say when all you know, I, I myself experience it in a little bit in a little bit different, right? When I'm thumbnailing, that's that's when I'm most interested. It's okay. the drawing that bores the shit out of me because I've done all the problem solving well, already. Well, yeah, you know? no, I mean the most interesting part is the thumbnails. That's yeah. that's the that's that giant math equation. That's yeah. where you're engaged on a level like crazy. Sure, sure. Um, I, I, it's not that it's less enjoyable. It's just. That's where all the hard work is. Right. And that's where you're saying it equates to the whole crazy brain pattern. Right. By the time you actually start inking and drawing, everything like starts to become... The drawing and inking, it's starting to feel more like play. For you. Yeah. That's wonderful. You were having trouble with that before. Absolutely. Yeah. Look at that, man. It's only been, what, a year? Uh, and yeah. you're doing it so much better now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's starting to click. Well, how's that feel, by the way? All the clicking. Is it coming faster? Oh, so awesome. Yeah. Oh, oh, the speed at which I can pencil and ink is really, really impressive. Yeah. Like just not not impressive. It's it's um it's surprising. Because I it just was never that way before. Like huh. I let's say average now, I'm penciling a page in three hours. Okay. And then I'm inking said page in four or five hours. So you have a full day when you're when you sit down, start to finish. You have a full day where by the end of it, a pencil or excuse me, a page is done. If I if I was a single person, yes, be breezy. <laughs> sure, but be you know with family and stuff and staying in shape. Yeah, yeah. I think. Um, if I didn't have to turn in pencils to be looked at, I would probably just pencil and ink a page a day and just do that. You're you're having to pencil a page for them to take a look at. Well, what I the way I approach it now is I the front part of my week is the penciling. Like yeah. I'll on, on like Monday and Tuesday, I'll try to pencil like four or five pages. Yeah, and then get those looked over, and then. Oh no, that's the part I'm talking about, right? Which is like. I don't know why I, I sort of furrow my brow at it or it catches me by surprise at the idea that you're still turning in pencils for Okay, here's for why. Review. Here's why. Yeah. Because, and, and I understand this, and I think once, I'm at, I'm at DC. I've never worked for them before. Uh, okay. I'm working for an editor who's just taken over the bad office. Okay. So he's new. Yeah. He's got a real creative vision. Yeah. That I think is great. Okay. It's very different from what was going on in those offices before. Okay. So there's a bit of, I want to do my thing, but if we just shake up the system, it's going to 
bite me back. Okay. But if we do this right, it can work. Yeah. So it's a bit of the editor has full faith in me. Yes. And loves is loving everything I do. Uh, it's just a matter of let's make sure that it can pass the tastes of people who might not respond to sure. what I do. Normally. Yeah, I totally understand that. As a matter of fact, it's part of his job to make sure everything's sure. in line. Sure, so I right? get that. But, uh, I mean, my hope is we get to a point where it's like, all right, you're doing good, everyone's happy, go. Yeah. And then the leash yeah. is oh, taken off. I so I, I get it, and I, I don't, don't begrudge it. In fact, I like that because I don't want to be halfway through an issue and then get the call where, like, uh, they don't want you in the book anymore. It's too it's too drastic of a change. It's too, <laughs> right, too right. out there. So I don't mind that. Um, I get it. I understand. But yes, I respect I, it a lot. So, yeah, I'm going to get to that point. So, yeah, the speed is there, and uh, and it feels good. The thumbnails are, are not fast, but mm. I, I feel like if they're going too fast, then... I'm not doing the job of what the thumbnail is. Yeah, which is what? Exploring and figuring out a shot. It's figuring out shots. Yeah. It's a lot of designing the page. Is it? Oh, yeah. Wow. Well, for me, yeah. Not yeah. for you? No, I never think of it. <laughs> what are, you, are you just thinking like, but okay, but you are thinking, because like, why is this panel bigger than all the others? Why is this one... Smaller. Why do I have three I, I got, of them stacked can, can next I to tell each you, other? Can I tell you? Yeah, it's embarrassing because you are obviously a scientist when it comes to designing these pages and making sure that it, there's there's a there's a rhyme and reason to it all. My panel decisions are literally based on what do I need to draw in this area right here. It's all it's all just real estate to me, as opposed to real estate dictated by how an audience would experience it. Does that I don't make any sense? I've never thought about it beyond that. I promise you. Are you, you. serious? I shit you like not. Like when I read the, the Enter the Mandarin book, there's moments where you went big and it's impact and it's everything that moment should be. Okay, so uh, let, let me let me drop, pull that back a little bit. Maybe in those instances, and that's the only time I can think that there's a science behind anything that I do. Okay, okay, but it maybe your science is like there there. There are a few storyboard guys that come into comics, and and their their pages are very rhythmic, like generally same panel shape and size, sure. pattern, rhythm until big moment yep. or small moment. Sure, that is design. It's just a different sense of design. Yeah, I guess so. I guess I would say that in in recent times, and probably as far back as that Mandarin stuff, uh, I I. I do comic book pages like I do uh, animation panels. Okay. I don't. I mean, I've seen really glamorous I, I, designs and pages. I, in fact, I thought about that the other week because I was. I was like, you understand? How long would it take you to thumbnail a twenty-page comic? A couple of days, maybe. Two days. Maybe. So you could do ten pages a day. Yeah, I mean, if I have full full script sitting in front of me, yeah, yeah, three days. How long are these days? Three days. Work days, I guess. Eight hours Nine a day. To five. Yeah. Okay, so I'm like five. Yeah. Maybe six. Yeah. Wait, wait, five? Maybe six? What? It'll take you five days, six days. Okay. Yeah, like I, I schedule a week to thumbnail my yeah. my issue. And because you're thinking about. Oh, oh intensely. I mean, I'm thinking of to the point where like. If character A is looking to the left, yeah. 
is that going to take the read in the direction I want See it? I Should mean? I flip them to have them look to the right so the reader reads to the right after that beat? Dude, and that's what I mean when I tell you I'm em- I'm embarrassed to tell you I never take I don't it think to that I, level. I don't know that I'm doing it right. I, I, I often question myself. I feel like it's right. Yes. But I don't. There are a few people I have these conversations with that are that were talking the same language. Okay. But it's not many. Yeah. And I, I'm not. It feels right. This is what I'm going to do. Yeah. And it, it feels right to me because when I look at a Will Eisner comic, that's what I see. Right. And that's where I'm coming from. Dude, that's brilliant. That's brilliant. That you can, no, no, no. I, th- I think it's an amazing way of being able to take a look at something and break it down into its barest parts and say, this is the reason why that feels so good to me. And you go and break that down. Right? Yeah, yeah. I think that's great. But like my, like, like I love Stray Bullets. It's my favorite comic. Yeah. And Dave works very much like a storyboard artist. Yeah. Where it's um, eight panel grid, eight panel, eight panel grids on a page, eight panels, boom, yep. boom, 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 all very much like a TV screen in mm-hmm. ratio. Mm-hmm. And then he breaks accordingly. Yeah. And it works. Yeah. And I never feel like it's missing anything. Okay. But when I'm working... Does that have the same scientific feel that when you're looking at Will Eisner stuff? The stray bullets have the same sort of like... No, but it immerses me in the story completely, so I I, I don't don't notice anything. Yeah, you know, one of the things that I do that... um, you know, it, it, when you lay out a panel or when you, when you lay out a page and certain panels lead into another and you're like, wow, that feels really good. That was that was purposeful and and actually directed by me to a degree. I don't have that at all. I have zero percent of that. And if I do it, it's completely accidental. What I have is a big ass fucking thick panel border. Right. That way, <laughs> that way, you know, that the thought stops at that panel board. Does that make any sense? That's, I, that's dude, the only scientific I, I, thing that I think of. Yeah. Where that, I go like, OK, well, stop looking at it in context of the rest I've of the I've asked page. you before, what do you rule out your panel borders with? And you told me and then I asked Mateo the same question. And you guys are using the same tool. Yeah. Basically. And I love the results. <laughs> but when I when I think about it, I'm like. That. uh that seems a little more time consuming than I want to do. Like they don't make rapidographs that are giant anymore. Like you can't yeah. get them. Yeah. They used to have big fat rapidographs that would go through a cartridge of ink in like one page of panel. They don't make it up. anymore. Mm-mm. Wait, so so you're sidestepping it simply for the tool, sure. not because for the idea. That is that is uh it you know what it is? It's stupid. <laughs> it's totally stupid because I want my panel board to be ink. I don't want it to be a marker. <laughs> but you also said to me when I asked you what, what what made me ask you was you had tweeted like I've really painted myself in a corner with these thick panel borders. They take forever. Yeah. And so I was like, oh, my God, they take forever. I can't do that. <laughs> no, the, the, the reason why they take forever, actually, one of the they take forever in a sense in contrast to everything else that I do on a pitch. Okay. Right? We're not to slow down. Oh, right. And, you have to rule it and out. Really, yeah, yeah, exactly. So it wouldn't take any less time with a rapidograph. I wouldn't think so. You're just sidestepping it because you're a hoity-twitty guy that doesn't want to use a marker as opposed to actual No, because I do use I, I, I use a marker when I need it. Exactly, but that's not the thing that you go to. But you're, I like those thick panel borders, so I'm going to do it. Try it. I say try it. Yeah, I like, I like that because every moment is really... 
framed. It's contained. That's for me. That's the uh, on top of the other scientific thing that you were talking to me about. That's about as scientific as I can get. Is contain it in this one panel. It has zero. So, do you ever look outside the panel at the page, or you just look at the panels? I like just, for me, it's more about the page than the panels. Interesting. Yeah, I I can see that in your work. I can see that in your work that it's constructed that way. If you look at my most recent set of pages, if you look at it in total, yeah, right, yeah. Which it's I a saw mess. Tonight. It's a mess. No, it's not a mess. No, it, is. it is because when you look at it now, you're like, I don't understand where in in context. You know when they say, "Oh, your eyes got to rest X," right? Right. Blah, blah, blah. Right. You need right. to go like that. There's a rhythm to it. My rhythm happens within the context of that panel, not in context to everything else going on in right. the page. Right. Right. So it's a, it, I guess if you were to use that standard to my pages, you'd say like, oh man, there's so many missed opportunities for your eye to just kind of sit here and rest. And I, and Mark Chiarillo's voice is ringing in my ear when I first went up to him with my portfolio, and I did that same exact thing where I was just rendering everything. I can hear him saying, "Dude, you gotta let the eye rest someplace." Right. right. And in my head, I couldn't explain it back then, but I'm like, well, in that panel, it rests right here. What he's talking about is the bigger picture, which is like, where does it, within the context of this page, right. where does your eye rest? See, for me, a page doesn't feel right until there's a clear hierarchy established within the page. Holy shit. I've got to. <laughs> a lot of fucking thinking, man. I've got to have, like, for me, the page is a unit of story real estate. Okay. And that, that the panels that construct the page have to have a hierarchy in order for that page to be understood as a story unit of story real estate. So I I always taught that I have a King panel. That's the King. That's the ruler. (laughs) And then I'll have the queen and down on down. Yep. Yep. And I feel like, you know, some pages you need that even, you know, four horizontal panel, same shape and size. Cause the, that unit of story is calling for that, those beats to be rhythmic. Yes. But most pages are, you know, I, I don't want my panels fighting for attention or, or real estate. I feel like that creates a tension in the read. Holy shit, Sean. <laughs> <laughs> that is, <laughs> I think there's a reason why you're a really, really, really good teacher, right? Is because you can actually sit here and 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 take these thoughts that are probably on paper coming very quite naturally to whoever it is drawing it, and now you've put a, a, a measure of reason behind it. Or or, I'm insane. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. But there's a there's certain there's but healthy, it's not coming health. from anywhere. I mean, it's it's Eisner, it's Kurtzman. I mean, those guys. Yeah. Yeah, and, like and and Risso, like like tracing on down, like I see Eduardo Risso's pages as having a total hierarchy. Yes, of there's the there's the dominant panel. Oh, I'm not saying, uh, dude. I'm not sitting here and saying like that's not legitimate. I think it's actually 100 percent legitimate. And this, I I believe, this goes straight back to what your topic was when we first started talking, which is like health, right? <laughs> Whereas you were talking about physical, right? right? I have a tendency to go more psychological and mental, right? Because when you were explaining that story, you recognized I went back and I was like, so you're okay banging away yeah, at doing it. You're not, you're doing that was it. a wonderful observation on yeah. your part. <laughs> so, so whenever I hear somebody talk about how they men, they break down a page, it, to me it's more like, oh, that's an incredible way of, uh, uh, of a person being able to go, this is a hypothesis that I'm now going to put into actual practice because I need the 
I need the farthest left and farthest right in order for me to operate. Sure. Right. So it's it's wonderful to sit here in front of you and hear you talk about it because I go, oh, here's a man who started this conversation talking about the physical. And yet now I'm watching him or I'm listening to him going like, there's a lot of stuff happening with Sean. It's <laughs> all in his head in order to make sure that his world makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Right? And to bring it all back to yoga. Yeah. I think I said this to you earlier. I, I'm at war with myself. All of my problems. Yeah stem from me fighting in my head with myself yeah. and that in yoga I'll be in a pose that I'm just like waiting for the teacher to to call the next pose and you're just sitting there like what the fuck come on come on let's do yeah, this yeah, yeah. and then the teacher is like now all of you that are sitting here cursing me thinking it's time to get out of the pose it's now time to breathe and clear your mind of thought. And then I'm like, oh, right, 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 right. Dude, that's freaking wonderful. That's you're, I think you're doing it now, actually. I've seen the stuff that you've been posting in recent times, and there's a certain level of like, and this is not the right thing, but I think there's a certain level of like, yeah, okay. Yeah. You know, it's not dismissive. It's more like this is the part where I would probably trip myself up because I'm too worried and overthinking right, and blah, right. blah, blah. These you're days, absolutely I see, right. I see that. you draw and you go like, oh, okay, that's... Yeah, it's just, let me just put it out and not worry about it. Yeah, it, and yet, within that same capsule that is you as a human being, there's still a guy that spent two minutes telling me right now, like, how the on rules... On the thumbnails. On the thumbnails and how you lay out a page and blah. And right. Blah. That's freaking amazing. <laughs> to me. <laughs> it's, it's, it's my Gemini nature. On the thumbnails, I'll be a, a mathematician. Yeah. But then on the drawing of the page... I'll let it be organic and free flowing. Yeah, dude, that's I freaking awesome. I have to be both. I yeah. can't be one yeah, or the yeah, other. Yeah. Oh man. <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry we turned this into a session of me just like watching you like a like a no. I think it's like interesting. Like a specimen to be uh, like. That, it, that's what this like these these interviews the, the the podcasts you and I do have become like my January first podcast. You were yeah. the first one. Yeah. So then when we did a second one where you said you wanted to interview me. I was like, all right, so that makes sense after a year of doing these to release that. Sure. And I was like, wait a minute. The first podcast of every year should be Eric. Oh, that makes sense, this. Thank you. So I, what I like about our talks is you give me perspective on myself. Do I? Yeah, you just did. You're <laughs> able to, you were able to observe that I was fighting the necessity of taking one medication right. while celebrating right. the necessity to take another. <laughs> right. I had never thought of that. I'm aware I can be hypocritical. I don't think it's hypocritical at all. It's, I think it's it's you finding your way to get through it in as much as, look, you found, let's, let's bring it back to the comics thing that you were talking about mm -hmm. earlier. It's like you were always trying to find a way to let go. Right, you right. was always trying to find a way to like listen. Why am I struggling? So I remember this time last year we were at this show, and you I can't remember what you were rendering, but it was a commission for somebody, and you showed it to me. And you're like, Eric, man, I just I wish I could just let that let it go the way the same way that you did. That was the creature from the Black Lagoon. Right? Was it? I, I don't recall I the image. So. I remember the conversation. Because you got so much. you. We all got commissioned from this guy. It was creature from the Black Lagoon. You got one. Mm. I got one. Yeah. And I think Mateo got one. Maybe. So I remember the uh, the specifics of it was the, the part that stuck out to me was you always had wanted to find a way to let you let this thing go where you're so you're you're almost you know 
grappling the brush as opposed to like guiding it to where it needs to go, right? Mm-hmm. And I uh, and I remember telling you, and I still do. I, I still joke about it to this day. Where it's like you gotta <laughs> not give a shit so much. It's right? true. Yeah, but in your your nature will not allow that to happen, right? Whereas I kind of say. Hey, listen, in the context of X amount of commissions, if I get away with like a strong C plus, right, I'm okay, right, I'm right. okay operating that way. Because I know I, it, even as, as C plus as that is, I have high confidence in the, in the what I'm producing. Well, to it's go it's like, what it is. It's confidence. It's not, it's not that I, I can't, I'm not, I, I, it's not that I'm wired in a way that won't let me let go. Yeah. I just had to learn to trust in myself and that's what I've learned to do. So let me go, let me go back and okay. let me, let me, let me add on to what you're saying okay. right now, right? So your personality needed to say, or in order to sort of come up with it with a happy medium between your two sides, you're like, okay, I won't, I won't sweat the actual execution part anymore in as far as like the inking. That's the part where you've actually learned to go, eh, all right, I'll yeah. do that. And guess what? Your freaking images have been coming back strong, man. They, they come Thank back you. beastly, right? But the trade-off the devil on the, the left-hand <laughs> side of your shoulder is that you are still very meticulous about everything else leading up to that moment, which I think is right. Okay. Whereas before, you would stress through the entire right, process. Right. Now you're kind of like, how do I allow myself to be happy with a poor... I'm not happy is, is, the, wrong, is the wrong thing. How can I now negotiate the thing that I, you and I were talking about, which is letting go, where you're like, well, I can't let go of everything. It's just not in me, right? But I will find a way to say... This is where all the thinking happens, and this is really where I'll pour all of that sort of neurotic energy into. Mm-hmm. Neurotic's probably not the right word either. No, that's, but that's the right neurotic word. Neurotic energy. And then you said, okay, now that I've done that, I release myself to do everything else that I used to be so very worried about. Right. It's, just, it's, it's, it's almost like this handshake that you did somewhere in the, in the back of your brain where sure. you're like, listen – we're going to have to come to terms with this. So how it's, can we negotiate the, the idea? There is right? an element of cons- of decision to that because I do remember early on saying I want to get to a point where I'm inking my thumbnails. Okay. Yeah. And so I've almost eliminated penciling. Okay. It's very minimal now. Dude, that's wonderful. So the work that I'm putting into the thumbnails is just making sure everything's planned out so right. I can just cut loose. Yeah. That's the brain. That's the brain part, right? Yeah. The, 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 the reaction part, right? If that's, if we're taking it back to my example of like your brain jumping off the Richter scale, the Richter scale, right? Uh-huh. The, when you get into that right. zone right. is yeah. now where the execution comes in, which right. is ultimately going to be the, the audience, do you, facing. do you not have that portion where your brain waves are going nuts? Is that in your process, or is you just you're just? No, instinct? I'm just stupid. <laughs> no, stop that. It's not <laughs> true. Just, I try. I I think about it very less. Although I, there's well, enough. Well, I would happening. say because of the amount of storyboarding you've done, that your instincts as a storyteller and and shot composer are such that you can find that more zen-like state in the thumbnail and your drawing which is it, it has was there even before your storyboarding right. stuff so it's all just kind of come to this zen place if i if i've come to accept anything it's the idea that the drawings is hardly ever where i do any sort of all it, i don't care about the drawing the drawing to me is yeah i don't care about the drawing 
I, ne- I never think of the drawing like, oh, I have to have this perfect form. I have to have this perfect shape and perfect shading. It's almost enough for me to say, am I getting the idea across? But you care to an extent. I think saying you don't care is doing a disservice to what you do. Because, look, you were just showing me pages. You are making decisions about the texture you're using to render with, mm. where, where you're spotting your blacks the the shape of the figure you're drawing. Yeah, I guess so. I guess that's right. I mean, I mean, if we want to classify that as, as caring about the drawing in and of itself is, I guess that makes sense. But sure. I can add to that and say the drawing is, I take into, I, I just take it on faith that the the drawing is going to be okay, right? Right. What right. I'm more what I'm more worried about is the communication, right? right? So when you see me render, it's literally about. Well, does that say that that's a cylinder? And that's a super simplistic version right. of what I'm thinking about, right? Does that read as a as the mass of a thigh? Does that read as a mesh that's, you know, the texture that's on the mesh of an arm? Right. If that makes any sense. Sure, sure. So it's, it's the drawing is, I can let that go and I don't think about it. And that, I guess that's why I say I don't care about it because I have, I, I, I try to have as much faith in it as possible that it'll look okay now. Sometimes it looks shitty and it looks poor, right. but I go, wow, that's the best set of folds I've ever drawn in my life in that really super shitty drawing, <laughs> you know? Yeah, something funny happened when I when I let go and, and stopped caring. Uh, we'll use that word because I do understand what you mean. Um, the public response to my work jumped dramatically yeah. in one Instagram post. Yeah. And it was one of the... Uh, I was going to say shittiest drawings, but it, it was just one of the most careless drawings <laughs> sure. I had done in a while. But what I had captured was spontaneous mark making, yeah. confidence, yeah. energy, yeah. and realized in that moment that people respond to that. It, it hits them on a on a gut level. Yeah, on a visceral level, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Whereas what I was doing before, measuring every mark and making it perfection, people didn't respond to it as much because the life had been strangled out of it. Yeah, yeah. I think a lot of people say whenever they see a piece of art like that that they react really super favorably to is they go, man, you're, it looks like you are having so much fun right now. Totally. Right? Totally. And you go, I guess. You know, I, I, it's, it's one of those, um, di- I, I go into a dis- dismissive mode and as far as fun, and you're like, oh, you looks like you're having so much fun. And it's not that I'm not having fun. It has a lot to do with the fact that I'm just not thinking about it anymore. Yeah. You know, fun or not, yeah, okay. There's an enjoyment process because I love drawing. Drawing is what I love doing. Sure. But in as far as like, oh, over, you know, overthinking it, get out of there. Yeah, I, I try to get out of that as much as possible. Again, I catch myself. The other day, I was just drawing a girl, and this is where you were talking earlier about how you have come up. You you have these rules that you that you labor through in, in order to make sure that the the page has a hierarchy right. and all that kind of stuff. I go through that too, most specifically about the ride. And what I mean by that is when the audience is reading it. Mm-hmm watching it or experiencing it for the first time, there's an, a subliminal inherent thing that takes them out of the story, right? And as, mu- as little as I do of what you're talking about right now, one of those few things is breaking the 180. The 180 for me is That's the, the, that is the guiding that principle. Yeah, that is the guiding principle of good storytelling, right? Well, let me ask you this. I, I, I've, I've played both sides of the fence on this one, yeah. where I lived by the 180, and then I was like, well... I reached a point. I was like, "Well, this is a comic. This isn't a screen." Sure. So, and and then I was like, "Fuck the 180." 
And yeah. then I was like, well, wait a minute. <laughs> there is a point to the 180. So I, I, for the most part, I'm paying very close attention to the 180 mm-hmm. and try to avoid breaking it. But mm-hmm. I do feel like there's, there's a time and a place to break it. Absolutely. Because of the page. Like I said, like if I can have this character look down left and break the 180, it'll help get your eye down to the next panel I want yeah, you to read. Yeah, that's a threshold I never cross, right? I, I always uh-huh. made, I, tr- I try to maintain, and I, I agree with you 100%. There's a point where the 180 gets in the way, and it's just, you know, if at the end of the day, the storytelling is strong enough where it'll get your audience emotionally where you need to go and you break the 180 anyway, that's fine because they're along, at that point, they're along for the ride. It's in those essential times when you have to really focus to go, when I break this, right? Am I now, like, I'm now in an intense step process that is the ultimate emotion that I want to pull from my audience. If I'm at level three and I break this 180, or if I'm at step three and I break the 180, do I get away from that entire process of getting in there emotionally? And right, and if right. and if the answer is yes, I don't break that one. Okay, either. sure. Right? Yeah, I, I, I mean, what it just boils down to is we just, we have our we all build up our own religions. Yeah, I agree. And not one is right mm-hmm. and not one is wrong. They're just ours individually. Yeah, yeah. I think within the comics, it's so forgiving, right? I've seen sure. some stuff done where I go, oh, that would never work on screen because right. you're, you're taking a whole lot more. And I think that's what gets me in the way. It's I get I get super hoity-toity about what would work on on in cinema but it's not it's not film it's comics right so there's you your audience will pause and go like oh i get it i understand how do we transition from one panel I, my brain filled in what happened between those panels and i got to panel five from panel four well i think we all have to define our religions our parameters to work within because if you remove all of that you've got this too much shit to figure out you've got to set boundaries that that isolate your problem solving. Yeah. Because without those boundaries, it's limitless problem solving with limitless tools and you can't, you can't focus in and narrow down. Yeah, I agree. And, and, and this, <clears throat> for me, this is more important, right? Your audience, whenever they're looking through your book and this, it's so strange for me to be like, I don't, I don't think about any sort of rules. And then I'm telling you right now in my head, how, how certain rules <laughs> You're work. You're doing what I did. Yeah. So, you know, as an audience, some people who have never seen the work at all, right? They're first coming in. They are actively trying to look for, um, for the lack of a better term, like storytelling anchors, right? How does this world exist? If it's right. crazy, if it's jumping around the place, or if it's pretty straightforward, they're looking for that, right? And once you establish that, you can start working against it or towards it, right? Know? But they're looking for it. And it's like you said, if we include everything because we don't know any better and or we don't give a shit, Right. That's I don't know if you're giving the best experience. I agree. To the person watching or reading. I agree. This all started off health and then we ended up talking about process. What's that, man? I don't know. It was organic. Yeah. <laughs> it just it went there. I love your podcast. Well, thanks for doing it again. Of course. And uh well we'll do it again for the next year. So this is Year three. This will be the first episode of year three. January 1, 2015. Get out of here. That's awesome. I'm so happy. Well, thanks, Eric. Yeah, man. All right, buddy. Anytime. And that's the end of the first episode for 2015.
15. Let's keep it going strong. Thank you, Eric, for your continued support and your continued friendship. I don't know who's next. I'm I've caught up to my my recording, so you know. We'll see. It is November and this is coming out in January, so I know I've got some really good ones planned for this year that I hope all come through. So that that's that. Thank you all for listening to Ink Pulp Audio. I am Sean Crystal. You can follow me on Twitter at Sean Crystal, on Instagram at Ink Pulp. My original art is all sold through Essential Sequential. Uh, oh, and I have a Facebook fan page, Ink Pulp. <sighs> yeah, that last little sing-songy thing I said, let's all pretend that never happened. I'll see you all in two weeks.
us. Before this moment, you didn't mean much. You are the smoldering vessel of punishment, born to do nothing but justify us. Give us your empathy, we'll give you lust. Let yourself go, my son, time to grow up. Give up your childish obsession with questioning anything we don't tell you is irrelevant. Everything you've ever been is replaced by the metal and fire of the weapon you clutch. Can't pick up no crowns, holding what's holding you down. Can't pick up no crowns, holding what's holding you down. Can't pick up no crowns.